Boyer's Coffee. It's my go-to. They've been brewing coffee in the Rocky Mountain region forever. Well, since 1965. They're known as the Rocky Mountain Roaster. Marvelous flavors, consistently smooth, and they're a great member of the Rocky Mountain community. And they always have promotions going. They always have new flavors. Go to their website at boyerscoffee.com. That's boyerscoffee.com. And you can have great coffee delivered right to your house. It'll be there within a couple of days. I'm a K-Cup guy, uh, but you can get uh, any product you want and it'll be delivered right to your house. If you want to check it out in the supermarket, your favorite store, you can do that as well. Boyerscoffee.com since 1965 here in Colorado. Folks, you know I love telling you about Steel Products. That's S-T-I-H-L, and you can find them at SteelUSA.com or SteelDealers.com. More than 10,000 dealers in the country, so there's one uh, in your neighborhood, I guarantee you. And you can order online and go pick it up at one of the Steel Dealers. Right now, they have some great Father's Day promotions going on gas and battery products. Trimmers, blowers, and lawnmowers. Steel has a commitment to their customers in giving them the power to pick either gas or battery. They have so many terrific products. And that's why I implore you each and every week to go and check out their catalog online at steeldealers.com, steelusa.com, and you will be literally blown away by the number of products that are going to make your life easier, make your yard look better, etc. Steel, S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com, SteelDealers.com. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Ryan McMahon on how to beat a slump in baseball or anywhere. Try to show up, be the same guy every day, and I think... As long as you focus on the things that you control, you know, it's, it's going to turn when it turns. And what do you do with the list of guys you've homered off of? Ryan McMahon just added Max Scherzer. Yeah, us, us hitters call it our book, right? So we say we got him in the book. No, they went off a guy like that. That's probably the first ballot Hall of Famer. So, yeah, it's always cool to have somebody like that uh, on your list of guys you've homered off of. The Nuggets are big favorites over the Heat in the NBA Finals. But what about that long layoff of the Nuggets? I think in the first 24 minutes of game one they'll wipe the rust off subscribe to the drew goodman podcast wherever you find podcasts and tell a friend this is the drew goodman podcast welcome in everybody it is show number 204 and uh producing this one from the road well let me correct something i don't produce jack that's my man, Marky. He produces uh, the show and, and uh, makes sure that the uh, the thing is well put together. But, um, yeah, you'll hear from Ryan McMahon in a little bit. But I come to you today from my lovely hotel room in Phoenix, Arizona, uh, in front of Game 3 of 4 against the surprising Arizona Diamondbacks. They're playing really well. And they have, I, I saw this, they have like a 65% chance based on updated data and odds of making the postseason. They're fun. They're really athletic. They got an outfield uh, led by Corbin Carroll, who's the odds-on favorite to be the National League Rookie of the Year, at least at this juncture, a third of the way through the season. He hits the ball over the fence. 
He steals bases. I think he has 15 stolen bases again as, a, as of this taping. His ninth home run last night. He plays a really good center field. And, and it all comes in a small package, like 5'10", 170 pounds. Um, and they have other guys out there that can run. They're super athletic, as I said. Jake McCarthy on the outfield. Alec Thomas was sent out. I really like uh, Alec Thomas. But they've been the surprise, maybe, of the National League. And, and they have one of the best pitchers in baseball, uh, Zach Allen, atop their rotation with Merrill Kelly. And the reason I spent a few minutes on Arizona, A, uh, they're in front of me because we're, we're playing them every night. But it's almost a blueprint for the Rockies as they get more athletic. And I've talked about Brenton Doyle being maybe the first member, along with Ezekiel Tovar, of that club to come up and have the ability to impact the game both offensively and defensively and on the base path. Certainly Brenton Doyle um, can do that. I think you're going to see down the road Tovar run a little bit more. Um, so we'll get to a little more baseball in a in a moment. But clearly, the story in town, the story in the Rocky Mountain region, the Denver Nuggets. And uh, tomorrow, they will commence the NBA Finals, their first against the Miami Heat. I got to pat myself on the back. I don't normally do that. But everyone was picking the Celtics once they got even. Game 7 was uh, in Boston, and they had all the momentum. And, and quite frankly, they probably had the better team. And I said, you know what? Don't sleep on Miami. I I think we as, quote-unquote, sports journalists, sports commentators, we like to call ourselves experts, think, oh, it's done. Done deal. And, And I saw a lot of former NBA players who are now analysts and get paid handsomely to be analysts saying, oh, Boston's going to win. And it's almost like they forget you think Miami is just going to lay down? You don't think they're going to look at it as another opportunity? And they were very close, if not for the Derek White tip-in. And good shout-out to Parker and Legend High School and UCCS and the University of Colorado. Derek White, what a, what a play to force a Game 7. But there's no way that Jimmy Butler and company were going to play their asses off in a Game 7. They're competitors. That's what athletes are, especially at the highest level. And guess what? They played, as you saw, much, much better than Boston. And it turned into a joke, turned into a blowout. So the Miami Heat, which if you had to pick one opponent, if you're the Denver Nuggets, as to a preference as to who you play, I think everyone would pick Miami. Maybe not quite as deep as Boston. Really only one quote-unquote superstar in Jimmy Butler, who I have great admiration for, you know, toughness, competitiveness, etc. He does whatever's necessary to help his team win and always has. But I think that's a better matchup for Denver. And I think Denver would have been favored if they were playing Boston. And they're a heavy favorite over Miami. And I'll get this way out of the way up front, removing my bias. Denver, I think, from what I've seen, is a better team, should be the favorite, and should, in their first trip to the NBA Finals, capture a world championship. And wouldn't that be something? I know there's a lot of concern about the layoff. I think in the first 24 minutes of Game 1 tomorrow night, they'll wipe the rust off. We always look for, again, as commentators, we always look for storylines. So it is a 
obvious and convenient one to point out that the Nuggets will have been off for for 10 days and Miami's been playing, you know, game after game and so they're maybe in more of a rhythm. I think the Nuggets will be just fine. I think it will be overstated the 10-day layoff. I'm sure Mike Malone and I know practice and scrimmaging is completely different than playing an NBA playoff game. But I think they will be just fine. Saw some of the analogy to what happened with the Rockies rolled out when the Rockies had to wait nine days before taking on the Red Sox. And they had a ton of momentum, as we all know, having won 21 out of 22 in 2007. I do think this. I think maybe the Rockies would have gotten a game or two had they been able to roll right into that series against Boston in 07. So I do think there was something to the momentum that they had. However, being honest, and I've stated this for years, Boston was the better team. They were deeper on the mound. They probably, lineup-wise, were deeper. The Red Sox deserved to be world champions in 2007. Would it have gone longer than four games, not been a sweep? Perhaps. But they were, they were the better team much as that pains me to say that. But I don't think this will have a, an adverse effect long-term in this series, the Nuggets being off for, for more than a week. Hope I don't eat those words. You know what I'm excited about? I'm excited not only to watch the Nuggets in the final, to watch Jokic do his thing, Murray do his thing, and you know so many of the guys that have contributed, the Browns, the KPCs, the Michael, you know, the MGPs, everybody's got, you know, initials in this uh, series. I'm excited about that, but I, like you, take great pride in seeing our city, our state, our region showcased for this finals. And it was the same thing last year with the Avalanche being in the NHL finals when the Broncos are in a Super Bowl. It's great attention on our city, and it also focuses on how well All of you attend events, sporting events in particular, and how passionate you are about the professional teams in our area. And it's it's right in front of me. I was just praising the Arizona Diamondbacks a few minutes ago. And last night, Tuesday night at Chase Field, Monday was Memorial Day, and they had 15,000 people. Last night, they had 11,000 and change. And they're a good team. They're an exciting team, as we were just discussing. And nobody shows up. And that historically has been the case for the Diamondbacks. They voted down a new hockey arena in Tempe about a week ago. They show up a little bit for the Cardinals. The NFL's different. You're only playing eight, maybe nine home games now with the 17-game schedule. The Suns have, have... always drawn pretty well. But this is not a great sports town. And again, I make mention of this because Denver is. The Rockies have not been good since 2018. Attendance is down. But they're still... The worst attended game this year was about 19-5 in Denver. The Mets were in town the other day. I know it was a holiday weekend. But again, on Monday, it was Memorial Day here in Arizona. They're good. I mean, they're, they're a game and a half behind the Dodgers as we speak for supremacy in the National League West, and they had 15,000 on Memorial Day. 
the day before in Denver on Sunday, there was a sellout as the Rockies took on the Mets. And there was, I don't think, 36,000 on Saturday. People pour out. You know that. People pour out in Denver for their teams. The Avalanche, everything's a sellout. The Nuggets, everything's a sellout. The Broncos, that goes without saying. Even the Buffs, for as bad as the Buffs have been in football, and I know attendance has been down a little bit the last couple of years, but they, they've had one winning season since 2005, and yet typically you're going to see Folsom Field filled up until recently. You're going to see it obviously filled up again this fall. We're going to get, by the way, to the Buffs here in a moment. But I think what's going on with the Nuggets is great, great, great for our city, uh, for the state, and for the region because we all take pride in our teams when they do well. And now they have an opportunity to produce the seventh parade in our city's history. The Broncos have been to a Super Bowl eight times. They've captured three. The Avalanche are three for three. The Rockies 0 for 1 going back to the 07 season that uh, we made mention of a moment ago. And now the Nuggets, for the first time in more than 50 years, they can play for a world championship. And it's exciting, man. And I like them to win it. And I don't think it's going to be a lengthy series. I think they win it in five, maybe six. Bring on the parade. Mention the University of Colorado. I want to get to them on uh, on a couple of accords. And, and one being the number of transfers up in Boulder. And I conversed about this, I don't know, several weeks back on the podcast. And the great excitement with Dion being up there. And I don't know if there's a, a school, including Alabama and Georgia and LSU and Ohio State, I don't know if there's a school when it comes to football that has gotten um, as much attention and positive attention than the Buffs since Coach Prime took over. And it's wonderful. Listen, they're 0-0 right now, coming off a 1-11 season. And one of the things that he did is, in this day and age, I mean, he hit the portal harder than any school ever. He basically dismissed about 90% of the roster from last year, and he brought in basically all new folks. Now, some of those folks played for him at Jackson State and have great pedigree. His son, Shadur, you know, th- there's others that were four- and five-star players. But there's also a bunch of guys, probably the larger body of transfers, are guys that left another school for a variety of reasons. And it used to be said when someone's transferring, more often than not, They weren't playing. They got sideways with a coach. There's, you know, some baggage as to why they're transferring. I'm not saying universally that's the case. But keep in mind, when you're bringing in 65, 70 new players, and you have a very small window to coach them up and get them ready for a season, They're getting to know one another as 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds. They're trying to develop a chemistry. They don't have a long background together, primarily. They're getting to know their position coaches. 
They're getting to know their coordinators. They're getting to know their head coach. They're getting to know new schemes, new terminology, all while competing. And, oh, yeah, we're going to go do this in a handful of weeks, less than a handful of weeks, because that's what you get you know, in the summer leading up to playing game one against TCU. This is not a fate to complete that 2023 in the autumn is going to be this unbelievable turnaround for the Buffs. There's some talented guys that were shown the door or decided on their own perhaps to leave that ended up at other Power 5 schools because other Power 5 schools said, hey, yeah, they may have played on a 1-11 and team, but they're young, they were still being developed, and they're talented, and we want them in the fold. So a number of those guys that left CU. It's not like they had to go down and, and play for a D2 school. They're playing in other Power 5 schools. I just think, and I want this thing to work, you know, badly. And I, I just think that you have to pump the brakes if you're a Buffs fan. If you think, because Coach Prime is, is making um, a lot of headlines, and, and every day you read about some new transfer, that it's all going to gel overnight and they're going to win six seven eight football games the first year i would be absolutely shocked if they win six or more and to my point those folks in vegas i'm not a gambler typically typically at all but the folks the folks in vegas with algorithms and all of the numbers that they crunch they're not wrong often and they have the under-over, the over-under, I should say, of, uh, of wins for the, for the buffs at three and a half. Three and a half. It's a process is what I'm trying to say. And especially when you bring in that many new people. We're not talking about 10, 12 transfers. We're talking about like 70. Your entire roster is new. It's, uh, that's not going to be uh, that's not going to be simple, and especially when you you've seen the schedule. You open with TCU; they were in the national championship game a year ago. I know the quarterbacks moved on; they have a really good roster. Then you play Nebraska. Nebraska lost a slew of uh, of one score games last year, and new coach, coach rule has a history of winning at the major college level. That's, that's not some gimme because Nebraska struggled also. They haven't struggled like the Buffs have struggled. And then Colorado State, I've told you, Jay Norvell's a really good coach. And they played better as the season went on last year. And they have continuity on their roster. And they brought in some new guys as well. Their quarterback is a good player and he's back for a second year. That's not a gimme. If you think it is, you're foolish. And then in conference... You have SC and Oregon your first two weeks. Those first five weeks, man, I know you've looked at it. Really tough. Really tough. So I want things to go great in Boulder. I think in time, he's going to get it turned around. But when you're talking about that many new folks and never having played under the same umbrella, it ain't going to be easy. It ain't going to be easy. The other aspect of where Colorado is right now, 
and, and they've gone from nobody talking about them when it comes to football to maybe holding all the cards in keeping the Pac-12 together. There have been multiple reports that they've had significant conversations with the Big 12. Rick George, their athletic director, is on record as saying, we love the Pac-12, we love being a member of the Pac-12, but we have to do its best for the University of Colorado moving forward. It's a way of, you know, kind of giving a, I don't want to call it a non-answer. It, it, if you read between the thinly veiled lines, yeah, they're going to take the biggest payday as long as it's significantly more than whatever the Pac-12 is able to negotiate, um, depleted as they are from a television standpoint. I had some numbers for you when it comes to attendance. Five-year attendance average, I looked at the top 50. There were, there were seven Big 12 schools in the top 50 in attendance. There were six Pac-12 schools in the top 50 in attendance at, uh, as a five-year average. But, however, two of those schools, actually three of those schools, well, two of them, USC and UCLA, are going to the Big 10. So that knocks it down to four. Colorado came in 45th. Among the top 33, there were four schools in the Big 12. When the LA schools were part of the Pac-12, and I'm already waving goodbye to them, there, there was great sex appeal, especially from an alumni standpoint, where you're going to LA potentially once a year and you know play UCLA or USC and one of those schools coming to Boulder. Uh, you know, Stanford's been diminished the last few years, but there's sex appeal to Stanford, uh, Washington, Oregon, naturally, even the Arizona schools. But now with the two L.A. schools gone, when it comes to pure football and the populace of the alum of those universities in the Big 12, they're more passionate, clearly, about football than the remaining schools in the Pac-12. Washington draws well. Oregon draws well. After that, you know what? I know it's not sexy when you compare Seattle, Washington to Ames, Iowa, but guess who draws more football fans on a Saturday afternoon? That's right. Cyclone fans. And the same be said about Waco, Texas and following the Baylor Bears and Lubbock, Texas and the Texas Tech Red Raiders. Those fan bases are are more football crazy than the fan bases of the remaining schools for the most part in the Pac-12. And then you factor in that it's out on the West Coast and the and the start times for football. And that's why, from a financial standpoint, it could very well be better for Colorado to go back to where they began. And I don't know ultimately how I feel about it. I, I got used to them being in the Pac-12 and as I said, there was great sex appeal when you knew that USC and UCLA and Oregon and Washington were coming in given years. But with UCLA and USC gone to the Big Ten, it's about super conferences. And the only chance that the Big 12 truly has to compete with the SEC and the Big Ten is, is to add members. And those members do a great job, especially in Texas and California, in luring talent so they can step up and play with the two big boys. And the two big boys, conference-wise, clearly and obviously, are the SEC 
and the Big Ten. And if Colorado leaves to the Big 12, I can bet you that that uh, Arizona State and Arizona will follow, and maybe Utah. And certainly, if if those schools leave, then Utah, guaranteed, will leave as uh, as well. It's going to be interesting following this over the coming days. All right, on to baseball. One note on the Rockies before we get to uh, an interview with Ryan McMahon. And uh, I want to talk to you about Nolan Jones. Each week, we've talked about some of the younger guys and the transition period the Rockies are in, and they're they're playing much, much better in the month of May. Uh, it comes down to defense, number one. They've been a clutch-hitting team in the month of May. Their starting pitching has been decimated. Uh, I'm excited about what Bretton Doyle's done, excited about each day watching Ezekiel Tovar play defense, and he's gotten better offensively. Last night, he threw out, uh, I think, a couple of doubles and a single. Uh, Nolan Jones in the ninth inning in a 5-1 loss, he averted the shutout with a home run to right. This guy's really intriguing to me. He just turned 25. I thought it was a good move by the Rockies. They traded uh, a young second baseman, Juan Brito, to Cleveland. And they got back Nolan Jones, who was a top 50 prospect just a year and a half ago in all of baseball. Originally a second-round pick. He was a hockey player growing up. That was his primary sport. Um, his brother was a was an outstanding goalie at Penn State, probably the best goalie in the history of Penn State hockey, and that was Nolan's sport. And then late in high school, he kind of devoted because of concussions. He devoted, um, you know, kind of put all the chips, if you will, into the baseball basket. So I'm not saying he's new to baseball, but he's still relatively new to where his entire focus is on baseball, and he's really talented. He tore up AAA, you know, a dozen home runs. Um, the strikeout rate, manageable. The walk rate was good in AAA. I'm really intrigued by this guy, and I want to see him most days be in the lineup, uh, just like Ezekiel Tovar's been in the lineup every day, and now more often than not, Brenton Doyle's in the lineup in center field. Really, really intrigued about the upside of, uh, of Nolan Jones. I think he could be another one of those young guys that's part of the solution moving forward over the next uh, couple of years. Nobody in the sport over the last few days has been hotter than Ryan McMahon, and it's been great to see. Uh, on a personal level, love Ryan McMahon. He is accountable every day. He is, you know, steady from a personality standpoint. He shows up every day no matter if he's struggling offensively the glove has been very steady as always but beyond steady he's he's an elite defensive player whether it's a third which he's been at most of the season or second which he was at uh, initially with the injury to Brendan Rodgers he went through a period where he didn't hit a home run for 103 at bats for 28 games but then he went off and that's baseball and and to a maybe a, a larger degree that's Ryan McMahon like, like a lot of Guys that can hit the ball over the wall, they are streaky. But it's been really fun to watch the last several days. Um, he's really locked in. And I thought it'd be a good time to catch up and visit uh, with Rymac. So uh, here you go. Here's Ryan McMahon, one of the hottest hitters in baseball this week. You know what? I've said this many times. Baseball is kind of like a fist fight with oneself, right? Do you lie yourself as to enjoy it or is it like day to day it's the grind all the cliches 
I mean, man, having gone through this a couple times and, and seeing it and learning it from other guys, like, there's going to be ups and downs, man. You just have to ride them out. Um, I think the most important thing is don't allow yourself to get too far down and don't allow yourself to get too high. This this game humbles you no matter no matter how good you are. You see it happen to, to guys who are going in the Hall of Fame for sure in today's game, you know. So uh, for me, man, I've just learned, you know, that's just kind of how the cookie crumbles sometimes, and you just got to keep going. That's all you can do. You almost have to remind yourself, hey, you know what, I'm pretty good at this game. I've had some great moments when things are not going well. Yeah, man, for sure. I mean, it's easy, right? You look back when you've had a little success, stuff like that. You can look at those moments. But, uh, I mean, when you're in the thick of it, it's, it's hard to remember, that's for sure. But um, you try to you try to show up, be the same guy every day. And I think as long as you focus on the things that you control, you know, it's, it's going to turn when it turns. You remember your initial reaction when you, you got the breaking ball? And, and you, you know, when you hit him, you typically know. You hit him a long way. Again, Scherzer, what was your initial reaction as you started down toward first? Yeah, that one felt good, man. I felt good in my work. Uh, I've been working on some things with the coaches and, you know, saw a couple things on video. So uh, to get one off in the game, though, right, you know, you practice it in the cage. You can you can do it in the cage. It's pretty easy. We're all pretty athletic. Um, so you get out there, do it in the game. And uh, for me personally, I wasn't looking for it. So I was excited that I hit it um, and definitely felt good. And where, I asked you after the game, but but where on the list, because when you're a guy like yourself who hits home runs, you got to have a list, man, of, oh, man, that's a big name. Okay, that's a pretty big name. This slides in here. Where does he go? Yeah, us, us hitters call it our book, right? So we say, hey, we got him in the book. Um, no, they went off a guy like that. Like like I said, I mean, that's probably the first ballot Hall of Famer pretty quick. Um, so, yeah, it's always cool to have somebody like that uh, on your list of guys you've homered off of. You reminded me you've gotten DeGrom not once but twice. So where's Scherzer? Where's DeGrom right now? Yeah, they're probably they're probably right next to each other, man. Those are two really good pitchers. So anytime you're giving off, off guys who have won Cy Youngs and done, done things like that, it's just us, man. For me, it's fun to, like, say to my buddies, like, yeah, don't worry. I got DeGrom. Don't worry about that. <laughs> When, when you uh, when you have a night like well you've had a night every night of late but uh, the text line still blow up with your boys from back in modern day and maybe some guys you uh, played with in the minor leagues yeah man I've got a really good like support system I got like my really tight close friends like six of them um, but I've got a lot of people I stay in touch with who even when I'm going bad they'll text me like guys people guys know like hey even if I'm not playing a baseball I'm gonna try to still be the same guy away from the field so you can always reach out to me different things like that so uh, but yeah, I've got my boys in my corner. They uh, they're good to me and they keep me keep me going. How about mom and dad? Um, you know, I, I'm a parent of the baseball players. You try to catch every game, but there's sometimes games with my middle son. I don't catch on the stream or whatever. Do they see like if you have four at bats a night? Do they see all four at bats? Um, I know my dad for sure tries to. I, my mom honestly could care less. She just loves me. Uh, my dad loves me too, obviously, but um, you know, my mom is just like, hey, I just want to see my kid. That's all. That's all she cares. About. She just wants me to want her, like, need her help, ask her questions, things like that. So, um, I know she's my a mom. Dad, yeah, she's a mom. Uh, my dad, he's pretty locked into it, though. He likes to follow it. Uh, growing up, his thing and my thing together was always baseball. Like, we loved it. We loved practicing together. He'd take me to games all the time. Um, so that's like always been our thing. So I know he's a fan of the game. Whether I'd be playing or not, he'd probably be following something pretty closely. You know what I liked about the last few for you, and tell me if this means anything to you, but um, and correct me if I'm off here, you got a curveball against Scherzer. I think you hit a slider the next day. I know last night, as we taped this, we're in, uh, in Phoenix. That was a heater last night. So to produce the long ball against a variety of pitches, does that have any meaning to you? 
Uh, definitely, man. You know, it, it just means I'm, I'm kind of in a good spot, right? Like, it doesn't matter what's coming up there. I'm swinging at good pitches in the zone and, uh, and doing damage on them, which is something all of us hitters want to want to be doing all the time. Uh, just makes you less uh, susceptible to, you know, pitchers tunneling and different things like that. Yeah. So, Not to get overly technical, but you said you were working on some things. Yep. And I, it, it's, I remember Todd Helton in his last year saying, I'm just trying to get better. So you're always, as a yep. baseball player, working on some things. Um, one of the things I heard, you were trying to get separation again a little bit. You moved yeah. your hand slightly. Tell us about that. Yeah, uh, for me, I would call it like sequencing, right? So like literally the, the most basic, like you said, let's not get over, overly technical. We won't because literally all I'm thinking about is step, hips, hands, like just kind of the normal motion of a swing. But, um, you know, these guys are good. They throw a lot of things a lot of different places. Sometimes you try to start getting your hands out in front and they start beating your hips. And that's when that's when bad things happen. You get out of whack and out of sequence and. So for me, it's just literally making sure that my hands are the last thing to go, staying tight to my body. Um, and honestly, it just allows you more time to see the ball and, and brings the barrel through more efficiently. Very good. You, you're playing next to a kid who's 21, and you yeah. are still a young player in this game. What has impressed you the most about Ezekiel? Dude, honestly, his day-in and day-out defense, man. Um, you know, I, I remember being 21, and I remember a lot of good defenders when they were 21 not looking like that. So... Uh, the way that he's handled himself uh, defensively, offensively too, man. But, um, you know, obviously he was struggling a little bit early, not doing the things that we know he can do, but we're still going out there and playing awesome defense, which is huge. So um, I've been really impressed the way he carries himself. He carries himself like he's 30 and like he's been around the league like 10 times. So um, what what the future holds for him is is going to be awesome, and I'm, I'm pretty excited to see it. And Brenton Doyle's not a guy that you probably saw him in spring training. I don't know how much you knew about him prior but now he's been up here the last few weeks. He's made a huge impact, hasn't he? Yeah, man, he's an exciting player, too, uh, both those guys. But the way Doyle patrols uh, center field, is it's been really impressive, man. Um, he's a top-notch athlete, and he's a hell of a ball player. Dude. When you look forward and you see where the Rockies are and, and you guys have played much better over the last yeah. month, uh, what gets you excited about the next four months? What gets you excited about the next several years? Um, well, I mean, obviously this last month we've played a lot better, um, you know, and I think we've seen guys, you know, start to show the things that they can really do at the, at the big league level. And uh, for me, man, it's I, I think if we can continue to play like that, I think we can really do some stuff because I think a lot of our guys are just going to continue to get better. So uh, keep playing winning base, baseball like that. I think we're starting to do the little things a lot better. Um, we see the best teams, man. They do all those things day in and day out. So that's uh, that's the next step for us. Yeah. Huh. I know this, and, and, and I say this on the air periodically. You are a pro's pro because you never take whatever's going on at the plate out defensively. You're always accountable. I know that even though I don't go in after the game, I know that you're always at your locker. Why is that? Where'd you learn it? And um, just the background with that. Yeah, I think that's just kind of the values my parents taught me growing up. Uh, my dad. It's very much like a no BS kind of guy. It's like, hey, just shoot me straight and we'll work through it sort of deal. And that's just kind of what I learned growing up. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of friends who were had similar values and stuff like that coming up, especially through the minor leagues. My buddy Jordan Patterson and Carl Prime, um, you know, I, I thought I was a smooth kid from Southern California. And I wasn't going to pull anything on them, and they let me know that quick. So uh, just kind of the way that, that I came up, and uh, it's just kind of who I am. Good deal. All right, Nuggets. Uh... NBA Finals. I, I know you like hoops. You're kind of an adopted Colorado now, right? Yeah. So uh, it's going to be the Nuggets and the Miami Heat. Break it down for me. 
Uh, I'm excited, man. I'll, I'll be tuning in for sure. Um, Garrett Hampson's down in Miami now, so I'm, I'm going to shoot him a text, see if he wants to throw a little friendly wager on the on the series. But uh, I'm excited, man. Hopefully hopefully the Nuggets go and do it and uh, Denver parties it up. Yeah. Get another parade, and then uh, down the road, you all can join in, right? Yeah, hopefully we can be next after him. Matt, always good to see you, man. Continued success. All right, thanks. Good dude. Always fun talking to, to Ryan McMahon, who's uh, brother TJ, college quarterback, bounced around a little bit. He's coming off an injury, but he was a starter down at Rice. Good family. I've, I've met, uh, you know, Ryan talked about his folks. I've met them on several occasions. Just uh, just good family. And uh, and Ryan is a, is a humble guy that also is going to be a part of the the solution for the Rockies moving forward. I know he's been here now. He's more of a veteran guy, but um, he he has taken on a greater leadership role now that uh, he has been become seasoned as a uh, as a big leaguer. And I hope he can continue the role he's on and have a, a great season. So good catching up with Ryan Mack as always. Well, the NBA playoffs, the NBA finals. That's right, starting up tomorrow go nuggets go and uh i'm hoping and believing that we're gonna have another parade back to back years last year for the abs and this year uh for the nuggets so enjoy uh the postseason finals for the nuggets trying to take out the heat and uh, we'll talk to you in seven days as we always do stay safe stay well take care everybody